Kia ora everybody, welcome to episode 221 of the Stag Raw. Jeez, if you're watching the video, I am beating up, it's roasting here in Tokoroa. Put the uh, fresh tea on, shout out to the bushies, Carisbrook bush pigs, well done on the uh, 2021 New Zealand Under 85s Championship, bloody legends, great tea as well there, champs, good on you. Um, this episode, I'm um, speaking with Saren from... Hamels down there in Topor. Nice little drive down there last Wednesday night to record this one in the shop. Hell of a shop it is too. Make sure you uh, check it out if you're there in Topor. Um, don't forget to enter the code STAG if you're checking out one of the Mr. Max books from our last episode. And uh, if you're thinking about investing, check out the link to Shearsies and get $5 towards your first investment. Anyway, let's do it. Episode 221. Should hear yourself nicely. Yeah, real nice. My <laughs> voice is terrible. It's not fun, eh? <laughs> it's kind of like when you sing with your ears locked. <laughs> sing in the shower under the water. Yeah, occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I've just been in the loo, and the uh, oracle was, was. Oh yeah, that, that's going back at the start. Start that is, eh? Yeah. All right. Should we try start from there then? Yeah, let's go from there. All right. Good point. Um, so, wife and I living in Auckland. Um, two amazing jobs. My wife Amy was in retail and that worked really well, or advertising, sorry. And I worked for a company called Core Builders and we did all of the America's Cup boats. So nice. it was really cool. So lucky enough to travel around the world with that San Fran, Bermuda, with Team New Zealand and Oracle. Wow. So those are, yeah, some of the plans for yeah. the AC Cup boats, the 72s back in San Fran. Far out. So probably shouldn't have them. Or shouldn't have had them, but I've got them now. Had boats changed um, Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was great fun. That was really good. But then um, our first child came along, and it was just time for a change. And I think, like, probably a lot of people, I was living in Auckland and traveling down to Taupo all the time to go hunting. Right, yeah. You know, just backwards and forwards every weekend. So it was big journeys. And we were looking for a change, and the Auckland housing market was just nuts at that time, you know. So we, um, yeah, threw everything in and came down to Taupo, but um, the hard part was there was no work here. It was really hard to find a job to support a family, like it was a small town. Um, and then um, this little shop came up for sale, and we sort of just jumped in. Um, it was called um, the Ridgeline Outlet Shop. Yeah. It was the old army surplus shop. You know, a lot of people knew it by that, and um, I always remember it as being a bit of a junk shop. <laughs> it was always like cardboard boxes and piles of you never really knew what was in there. You'd go in for a bit of a laugh, have a look around, and um, damn it, ended up owning the damn thing, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we had a day to do a stock take and took ownership of it and um, ran it for a year and sort of cleaned it up a lot and got it into a place where I was kind of happy with it. And then, um, yeah, sadly, we had a sushi shop next door, which was like all kind of had heaps of uh, history with debts and stuff. And anyway, it got um, burnt down. They set it on fire. Yeah, and it was it was found out it got set on fire. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was chaos. So, you know, we had um, immigration was turning up and arresting arresting oh South gosh. Koreans, and they locked <laughs> the doors. <laughs> and then um, some of the parents are coming in and trying to rip kitchens out. It was like it was terrible. And then, um, yeah, a worker came back and set the place on fire. And then um, that was a pretty that was hard. Um, 
yeah so yeah sort of got one of those phone calls middle of the night with no caller id answered the phone and drove down to the shop and the whole thing was on fire like mm. it was gone mm. um i sat next door in the park and just watched the whole thing burn this was after a year you know like mm-hmm. we're taking a big risk selling up in um auckland and coming down to Taupo to do that and then to lose it all in a year through no fault of ours is pretty bad eh? mm-hmm. um and then after that the whole um insurance sort of thing started it was it was tough going eh but um luckily we sort of came back for it there's a lot of details in there worth working with insurance companies mm-hmm. and trying to get what they owed you or what you thought you were owed back um that was a big lesson in business eh? so i'm just trying to slow it all down here but yeah, think yeah, about yeah. how it actually how, how would you in the first instance like you said it was the first year you know fronting up for insurance you're kind of like here's this amount of money that you should take out of your revenue each week um in case something happens and then one year and it happens like what sort of advice had you had going in um i we we didn't even know we'd had insurance <laughs> honest like that was part of something which came in the business when we bought it yeah. like and then it even got harder so once you go to an insurance company with this problem they they want you to carry on working in another job they yep. don't just pay you what you were earning per week then they also devalued all your stock because yep. a lot of it was redundant stock supposedly another issue we had is we didn't know how much stock we had um, this is back in the day when stock would turn up and you'd ticker tape it with the old like dairy gun you know you'd put yep. a price on it and underneath it was the secret wholesale price and the date that it came in so we had no record of what we had yeah that was really awkward so then we had to go back through accountants and while this had all happened i think um we had our second kid so oh my gosh we had uh, yeah, a two-year-old at home and a newborn and my poor wife was trying to work through all that with insurance companies and money and stuff and man they are vultures man they're pretty hard on you i eh? like yeah um I remember one instance and an assessor coming around and they'd sort of talk to you about it and you thought that was it and then suddenly they'd pull out a tape recorder <laughs> you know and you just made them cups of teas and a scone and you got crying kids and babies and that yeah and then they'd turn the tape recorder on and go all right we're going to start recording now mate um what can you tell me about any trouble you've been in before with the police mm. like they're looking for any kind of angle <laughs> Nuts, eh? oh, from, um, so, from something that was external as well yeah yeah so you know while this is like all happening you're sort of getting um my mum was sending me food tickets to go out to pack and save kind of thing like don't forget once once the business is shut there's no income mm-hmm, mm. um sadly insurance um you know mortgages and banks don't see it that way you still got to pay your rent or your mortgage mm-hmm, mm. So anyway, it, it, it all worked out in the long run. We, we were quite clever. My wife was sort of onto it. This is where we decided that um, Hamels, had to, Hamels Taupo had to have a change. Mm-hmm. Something needed to be done. So we came up with the idea of um, going online. Yeah. So technically the insurance company kind of had to pay us to go online to build the website. Yeah. So we did that. And so how did um, you transition from the surplus to Hamels? So we had we had the chance just to like rebrand it. It, it. The business was kind of funny. It had the signage with Ridgeline. Ridgeline had put their signs at the front of it. Mm-hmm. So it was known as Ridgeline Shop, but it actually still was Hamels. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So there was no Hamels website. There had been once upon a time, but that had finished. So, yeah, my wife brought that back in. We got that started with another company that sort of helped us along. Um, 
how to build a website they did all that and we got cracking with it and it was quite neat our suppliers helped us a lot you know they would um send stuff to our house for us <laughs> and um, i'd be packing in the garage mm. i'd go up pack and save and get some boxes and just put whatever people had ordered off the website in the box you know and it was hard so if someone had placed an order on the website i'd have to ring up a supplier and say can you send that out please you know mm-hmm. like it was pretty hectic and um yeah that's how the website was born um shop was closed for a year so that was hard we were only open for a year and then we'd shut for a year and um it was devastating like it had no roof on it the front was all burnt out and every time it rained everything just washed out mm-hmm. anything which was left in the shop the builders ransacked and people would go through it um just kind of watching your dreams or everything you worked for that year just sort of get ruined eh? Well, so when was this that was three years ago mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. incredible though is it, and it's this shop? It was this shop, yeah. So yeah. that's how we end up with the concrete floors and the open top. That's fully rebuilt. There's nothing here the same, eh? Mm. So the false wall was there, but obviously back in the day when they built all of Taupo, um, there was no firewall or anything, so it just went up. It was probably just all old native rafters and things. Mm, mm. It took off, man. <laughs> yeah, now you got steel beam. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, much better, eh? Like, it's much better now, eh? Like in hindsight, we probably could have done this without buying the old shop mm-hmm. you know that was a big lesson to business really we could have just sort of gone for it ourselves a bit but here we are doing it now and then um god yeah open for a year and straight into a covid lockdown mate <laughs> yeah and uh and, and all that's come with it the, the the brave new world that that we're in so yeah like um that did that website come in handy or 100 percent. so yeah. When we went into that COVID, we were kind of like, oh, okay, we've done this. Here we go again. We're back at home. We'd just done that for a year, nine months earlier. Mm-hmm. Been out of work with nothing to do but run a website. So luckily we were quite um, kind of at terms with running like that or doing that. Mm-hmm. So that's where that website helped us heaps. And, um, you know, you've got to thank New Zealand, man. New Zealand always loves getting behind you mm. and supporting you. Um and I've had some incredible support. So thanks to all those people who have supported us. Um, yeah, got us through it. Out, isn't it was really cool. Yeah. Now, mate, you've been very active on Instagram. Yeah. Like, how did how did that sort of marry up? Oh yeah. Um, so <laughs> when 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 the website came about, someone was like, "You should have a Facebook page." And I was like, "What? What Facebook page?" I've I've never had a Facebook page or anything okay, yeah, yeah. until yeah maybe three years ago and um, once I had the Facebook page for the Hamels website um, James McKenzie from NZDA in Auckland mm-hmm. was um, oh have you heard of this thing called Instagram <laughs> <laughs> I was like another one man I, I ain't doing no bikini shots <laughs> or showing nothing off I got nothing for no one like that and if I did do anything I don't want no one to know about it I was never really into yeah into sort of what i thought was sort of showing off or building your own ego kind of thing but as it so happened it sort of talked to it a little bit um we soon figured out that it was free advertising and how it worked you know i was trying to compete against some of the biggest competitors with the most amount of money and no shortage in advertising campaign money you know and Mm -hmm. hearing that little jingle every day on every radio station and tv at night made me realize that um the only way to sort of come up with any kind of interaction with public was through Instagram. Mm. And using the right handles and tags, you can sort of get 
um, you know, a few people behind you. And you do, you get a little community. It's really neat. And what I liked about Instagram, it was positive, mm. as opposed to what I found with Facebook, where it was kind of negative, you know? Yeah. There's all the space in the world to write whatever you want. Yeah. And you've got, you're the one that's got to see it to moderate it. <laughs> mm, so, it, it, yeah. It, it's been an incredible journey with um, the social media side of stuff. I, the world's changing a little bit, I think. You, you're always going to need a bricks and mortar. You need mm-hmm. a face behind something. But equally as much, if you like it or not, it, it seems like the world of shopping and afterpays and prepays and God knows what else, it's, it's becoming quite driven on the gram yeah. as such, eh? Yeah, and I'm sure after Instagram there'll probably be something else. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> yeah, we haven't got there yet. Oh, hold on, oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right advice. No. <laughs> hold off. Yeah, it's, it's it seems to have be having a lot life of its own. It it is appearing very much like early um, Instagram influence wise, where it's uh, looking covert. You know, people talking about stuff, but then other big brands like the Edge is on there. I'm not sure why. Um, uh, this the odd brand, the odd um, online drop drop ship sort of brand is is on there. Yeah, I've noticed that there's a few influencers now. A couple of the hunting brand people sort of have a bit of a dabble in it. I think it's kind of fun for a bit of a play along, bit of humour or something. I saw a Wild Boy sticker on your door there. Yeah, he, he's on there. I just started, <laughs> started checking his stuff out. Eh? I was like, hey, he's a, he's a hunter that's on on the on TikTok and trying to. It's so what I what I've what I've liked or what I've enjoyed about social media or Instagram, not so I've not mentioned the intentions of a TikTok, but um I've met many of people in a similar situation where they're a bit smaller and they're trying to start out. Mm-hmm. And you can gain a lot of confidence from a lot of people off Instagram mm. if they post or share something. So, you know, Tuscan Tines, Unjustified Risk, um, bootleg jerky dog and gun all of mm. these things started yeah, out <laughs> yeah started out with probably minimal followers you know mm. um and then they've grown so it's been great to sometimes maybe return that favor with some other brands which are starting out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah um no, sean's a massive legend like he's um often touches base and says how you going and you know you know when you buy coffee always writes you a note and makes it personal it's, it's you know does does the little things and yeah yeah um not it, to mention quality product <laughs> yeah yeah you gotta you gotta have great products obviously you know you have all the social media in the world but if you haven't got anything to sell or anything decent it's never really going to cut the mustard eh? um yeah sean's come through here a couple of times when he's gone hunting here in the kaimanawas and <clears throat> really got along from great guy and I, I love what he's doing i think um touching bases with seeker foundations and all that sort of carry on or putting stuff back into conservation work is much appreciated mm. i think mm. yeah takes a great step eh? um yeah and you know i approached him about getting it in the shop and selling it and stuff and he was on board with that so that's something else i've kind of tried to do with hamels talpo um just sort of keep a ahead of the game a little bit with the little brands and little knickknacks you yeah. know did you get red x in here yeah so I, I believe we were the first store to have Radix. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of think that some of these guys give us a bit of a whirl to see how it might work. Cool, you're like the uh, New Zealanders for FPOS. You're the, you're the um, within <laughs> the, New Zealand, how to, how to test a, a, a brand, brand to the outdoor market. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, have, I have no problem with that, man. That gets us started, and albeit if it helps them, I'm, I, I, 
you know, I, I'm here to support everyone else, mm. see them do well as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a great thing when businesses can, you know, succeed and do well. Yeah. And, you know, if you're, you're successful, they're successful. It's a beautiful thing about a retail spot like this, which, you know, so diverse and what you've got around the walls. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's successful yet. I, I don't think <laughs> I've actually done a full financial year in here as such. <laughs> <laughs> I still drive a 93 truck. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm successful in the way that I've met a lot of great people and I'm doing what I love mm. and I think that counts for a lot. I mean, I remember um, some family members just, you know, my sister especially saying, just do what you love and, you know, the money will follow afterwards. It's, mm-hmm. it's secondary, you know. You sort of just go for what you believe in and, um, yeah, just stick it out, do it. So how did the love of hunting start, mate? Uh, just, it, it wasn't hunting, it was adventure. Yeah. Um, for me, it was unknown places and... I've always sort of enjoyed the bush or the tropics and the forest and that sort of carry on. I've had a passion for traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a lot of traveling in my time, probably, I don't know, around the world three or four times at least. Um, yes, yeah, so when I got back to New Zealand, I um, I hadn't seen much in New Zealand, so I just started getting out into the bush a lot. And I needed a reason, really, like, mm-hmm. just while I was adventuring, it was good to have a reason to carry a rifle. I felt like maybe I was too young to be a tramper, mm-hmm. <laughs> so carrying a rifle was quite good. And then... Yeah, that took you off the track. Yeah. You know, that that gave you a purpose to hurt yourself and push to the top of the hill and carry on when you didn't get what you wanted and to come back when it was dark and you were wet and you're cold. And I kind of always, in a, I feel like the harder you work for something, the more deserving you are of it. So pushing yourself personally and mentally, you know, coming home from all those hunts when I lived in Auckland and getting nothing mm. was hard going, but I enjoyed the drive that it gave me to go back. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. if it was easy, I probably wouldn't enjoy it. I've always enjoyed a challenge. Yeah. So that's how the hunting part came about. So where were you coming? Clements Mill or what were you doing? Yeah, predominantly Clements Mill. I probably really cut my teeth in around um, Napier Talpo Road, um, where our sort of uh, Tartrakina was another favourite spot. What's um, that? That's further on, yeah, um, yep. back down. Um, yeah, and that was through a father-in-law, so he sort of got me introduced into it. And yeah, sort of then came back into it a little bit. And a couple of mates, always quite keen. And then that's... Um, when I was sort of by myself, then I found out about the NCDA. Mm-hmm. And then that's when that kicked off in Auckland, and I got involved with them. And, yeah, that was sort of my involvement with NCDA, which I'm still with here in Taupo. Mm-hmm. I've been the secretary for them for two years, and then I found that hard. My spelling and handwriting and carry on, sort of let the whole team down. Oh. <laughs> you need some of that um, shorthand so you yeah. can come back to it. Yeah, so um, I'm still with them and still involved with it, eh? Mm-hmm. So, like, you said you went around the world. What what sort of things did you do? Oh, I, what did I do? Turned 21, got my one-way, got my work visa for the UK, and then 15 years later, I was still there. Um, I managed to um, get jobs on boats, mm-hmm. building super yachts. Yeah. It was sort of in the heyday of carbon fibre and all that sort of stuff, so got to travel around building, yeah, super yachts. It was amazing. Yeah. And then to get into the America's Cup, that was just who you were working for? or Yeah, pretty much. Um yeah just sort of who you knew and what you're doing and stuff and those sorts of circles that came up yeah nice yeah it was what was what was was that like paint us a picture man oh (laughs) (laughs) it it probably wasn't all that eh? to be honest um it it started out amazing carbon fiber when it first came out was incredible it was what you call like pre-preg it was all in a big roll you had to cut it out and shape it and put it into molds and vacuum bags and huge ovens that sort of carry on 
And as technology came in, CNC machines started cutting out the carbon fibre on flatbeds and it was all shaped and cut for you. So you ultimately just ended up putting stickers inside of things, you know. So the novelty died off. Um, just with age, it was getting a bit harder to keep up with the younger guys and the jobs. You, you know, boats would come in covered in salt, ripped to pieces, and you'd have to dry them all out, grind them all up, clean them all out, and get them ready for the next day. It was it was hard work, so you know. So a big shift, yeah. And... Um, to be honest, I didn't like the chemicals in it either. I'd been working in chemicals all my life, and I just the health side of it too, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, working chemicals, dude. Um, <laughs> and they expected a lot, eh? Yeah, you know, um, the sailors expected a lot from you. So, the, the, from a client perspective, like I say, it's turn it around and get it get it ready for us tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Or you know, you were you were you sometimes you were at fault that it didn't work or something wasn't quite right or. You'd sit there terrified in the shoreline or in the chase boat. Is that going to break? Like, Jesus, what are they doing to that thing? It's going <laughs> to snap. How much tonnage has that taken? Like, mm. you know, it started foiling. Foils would break in the middle of something and they'd drop out of the water. Boats would flip over. Um, yeah, incredible, incredible stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you're watching the thing that you've just worked all night on be pushed to the limit. Pretty okay. much, yeah. Is that going to come back to me in one piece? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, did I forget a laminate schedule? Did I leave uh. something out? You know, you'd go weigh something and it weighs a little bit less than what it should. You're like, oh, God, do I tell someone? Yeah. <laughs> do I have to mention this? Um, but, um, no, nah, really cool, man. Really cool. On their weight weighing stuff, that's also part of the, like, specs to be able to race, right? So oh, yeah. Uh, the official comes in and it's underweight. There's so many rules to They're it. looking at you? Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's complicated. Sometimes you want more weight in certain areas and less weight in other areas. Um yeah, it's nuts. It is. And then there's the uh, sponsorship side of it. Yeah, sponsorship was massive. You used to get heaps of free stuff. Eh? It was quite cool. <laughs> GoPros and Red Bulls. Fridge were always fridges were always full with drinks. Um, yeah, full uniforms and outkits, all that sort of stuff. It was. It was cool. Yeah. What's his name? Um, La- Larry. Ellen. Larry Ellison. Yeah. Did yeah. You get to meet the man. Seen him, but never got to meet him. Yeah. He had, it was quite cool. Like, um, we're in San Francisco and we have a whole big base there and couple of helicopters would pass over and then like five suvs would turn up all identical and all just park in different areas and then like two limos or something would come in and one was always a dummy you know you never knew which one he was going to get out of the guy is worth god knows how much if anything happens to him if he trips over and hurts himself the shares are going to drop you know yeah, let alone yeah. if he's walking around um yeah he'd just sort of come in and sort of walk around take a look at stuff and leave yeah I asked his personal assistant once for a new pair of shorts. I, I didn't know who she was. So embarrassing. Right? <laughs> what was her response? Oh, just, just I don't oh, know. you have to go over to see that person or something. Yeah, that was <laughs> one of my greatest moments. So. <laughs> but it was neat. You know, you'd sit down and have breakfast with Jimmy Spittle and do that sort of carry on. Eh? Yeah, that was very cool. Russell Coots walking around. Yeah, it's nuts. I met met some cool people. So, how much of a team is it like? You know, or it syn- is. syndicate, you know, but it's, is, it's is a massive a team? team. You know, to be honest, probably just pretty much a labourer, really. Eh? Mm-hmm. You know, just there to sort of build things. Eh? Um, really big teams. Yeah. Yeah. And so, who are you directly answering to? Um, it would have been core builders who were there to build the boats for Oracle. Mm-hmm. That was a, a workshop up in Walkworth. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Um, yeah. That was sort of that stage of my life. And sort of glad I had the fun with it and left it on a high and didn't stick around to the end, you know? Yeah. Sort of leave it when it's good. So what, what is it about New Zealand boat building that 
they've been taken all the way to America. Yeah, yeah. I I think New Zealanders are just so... um, What would be the word for it? You know, we've had some amazing people built, like from Bert Munro to all these guys and people and women, you know, who just do amazing things. Hmm. And we're well respected for that around the world. Everywhere I worked in Europe and um, the UK, it was always like, hire the Kiwi. They're Hmm. going to be the hardest working, most honest person, you know? It's just sort of bred into the good old Kiwi workers, right? Yeah, wonderful. Still got that reputation. All that and drinking, probably, and parties. So. <laughs> Most fun. <laughs> Work hard, play hard. Yeah. yeah. No, so, what, what was, like you said about the housing market and things like that back in Auckland, what was that sort of period of your life like when it was like, oh, I need, I need to find that passion to follow? Yeah, um, just living on a 45-degree slope in the middle of Glenfield in a $500,000 house with a mortgage of, like, God knows what, just terrified me, you know, and working that hard for other people, mm-hmm. making them a lot of money in a really glamorous sport, and then going back to my Glenfield house on mm-hmm. a 45-degree slope, wondering what it was all for when I just, would first thing I want to do is head for the hills. Mm-hmm. Um, that was sort of the turning point, and kids, you know, starting a family with my wife was sort of the next thing. I wanted to give them something different from the city I guess mm-hmm. and then um, you know you can only lie on the pillow so many times and talk about it until something has to be done you know mm. there's no change without change so you're you're only here for you know a short time you've got to make it happen no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it was just more of a case of doing it and then you know you put the house on the market damn it the thing's sold in like a week eh? mm. <laughs> so your your mind was kind of made up for you yeah, and that that was it. And then, um, you know, we, you know, to be honest, my um, wife, her family, her um, mum and dad are here in Topol, so that sort of, yeah. that was part of it too. To be honest, eh? um, yeah. And then the shop thing sort of came along, and yeah, I don't know if that might have been the right thing, but <laughs> here right I am. <laughs> That's yeah. who I am now. And um, like most things, just fully get stuck into it, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to do this, and um, I. I had no idea about the world of retail, man. Jeez. Mm. That's a big EO. I think it's more carnivorous than the world of America's Cup racing. <laughs> so how, how have you built your knowledge? In this? Yeah, in this. I don't know, mate. I just winged it, eh? Yeah. Basically with a smile, I yeah. guess. And I, I think honesty just goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to remember that when you sell something to someone, you want them to come back. Mm. That's sort of my thing, eh? So... You know, I, I think a lot of times I probably could have sold something to someone and it wouldn't have been ideal, but I haven't. Mm-hmm. I've tried to keep it honest and mm. just sort of um, listen to your customers, man, what they want and what they want to do. Don't just flog them off another $20 fleece for the sake of a sale, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no retail experience whatsoever. Um, I couldn't even work behind the till, you know? I, I can't count. I, I use my phone to do basic mass. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was, you know... Um, that's that was hard for me that was really hard yeah yeah so as an end user as well like does that create a little bit of respect sorry as an end user you know getting out in the hills and yeah i i think so definitely man like um you know like <laughs> yeah when i when i started i had nothing really eh? i just um i think it was like black jeans and gumboots really eh? um and I probably had more enjoyment for it then now than what I do now in some ways, you know. I, I feel sometimes it becomes too involved with bloody dial-up and rangefinders and thermal imaging and trying to keep dry yeah. when it's raining like 
damn it, just get wet. You're going to get home anyway. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the suffering. Oh, push through it a bit. <laughs> yeah. So you, you brought up the the family there. How how are you finding that navigation in terms of getting into the hills? Um. So at the moment, I got I got well. At the moment, <laughs> I've got currently two, currently yeah, as of today <laughs> two two kids. Uh, a little boy, Jack. He's uh, just had his third birth, birthday, and a girl, Evie. Four. Um. Mean the world to me. Uh. I, I take them out for little day trips, and we have some fun just walking tracks. Mm. We, um, I've killed rabbits with my little girl, and she's seen dead animals, but I haven't killed anything in front of her yet, nothing mm-hmm. big. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think they fully understand the whole um, hunt, provide, gather sort of analogy at the moment. They're yep. still pretty cheese and crackers, though, to be honest. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it will happen, but it won't be something... I try and push upon them. Yeah. I mean, hey, if they want to ride skateboards and become professional skateboard riders, that's going to be their choice. You know, I'll definitely take them out and show them the outdoors, but I'll do what they want to do ultimately. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that'll be it. Yeah. So he's had a like, she's seen the the rabbit, um, and obviously, if meat comes in, then it's meat. But yeah, how, how does she respond to what's on the wall here? Um, yeah, really well, really well. Um, they, I don't know if they grasp it. Be mm-hmm. honest, eh? You know, like it, it, it always sort of makes me crack up. You know, you see some guy and he's into motocross bikes, and you know, he's got his two year old daughter sitting on the seat. I think they follow what you do. Mm. I, you know, oh my god, my little girl's into riding motocross bikes and she's five. You know, I think they just sort of look up to you and they'll do anything that you do. Yeah. So you bring them home, dead animals, and they, they do, they sort of pat them and they're sort of just, they're interested in them because you're showing it to them, I feel, mm. you know? Mm. Um, yeah, pretty well with it, but I haven't butchered anything. I don't, and if I did, it, it's always like clean. It's not guts and yeah. gore, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that experience last week, two weeks ago. Um, yeah, after it'd been in the chiller, I'd already, you know, quartered it and cut it up, and then it was just the final cuts and bag, yeah. bagging it up. And yeah, no one was interested. No, <laughs> it, it, it's not so gruesome, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit easier. And, you know, you don't want to scare them out of either, eh? Mm, mm. You sort of want to keep it kind of um, palatable for them, eh? Yeah. I was even, like, talking to Ryan Nicholson when he goes walking but hunting with his uh, fiance. You know, just, just sort of says to her, I'm just going to go t- turn it into meat now. That, you know, you can sit here and I'll go do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, well, it, it, is a, it is a weird transition, eh? There's, there's nothing attractive about gutting out an animal on the side of a hill in the hot sun with flies buzzing around and you've sort of hit a bit of a stomach bird or, you know? Oh, gosh. You know, that, that, yeah, I don't think my daughter needs to see that right now. Hit it back, <laughs> a little, little far back in the lungs, eh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Now, even, yeah, uh, that, that is the part, like, when you're hunting, that's, it's kind of that, the, the finding and then the shot and then it, then the the work begins. Eh? It's uh, for me at least uh, have this real tense feeling until it's gutted and and we're ready to move. Yeah, with, without a doubt, there, there's so much more behind the picture, isn't there? Yeah. M- much like fishing, you get home, you got to really fill it and clean and do everything. <laughs> and if you get that process wrong, you can really make a mess of hunting. Totally. I I, I remember when I first started. You know, like we'd be cooking back steaks and there might be a hair in it or a bit of grass or something and your wife looks at it like, "What the hell's that? What have you done there?" You know. Yeah. So it's got to be, it's got to be presented well, eh? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And that, yeah, that's where I love getting it in the chiller, 
and like the taste is so much better oh my god yeah hanging time's important now oh absolutely uh, yeah we had that had that thought yesterday i've been going through the steaks and um dave perrin and i went to the rohini's the, the week before um lockdown last year and we just you know took the back wheels or put, took the wheels off and the back steaks off and they were you know they're still good but compared to when you've let it hang oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. how much t- more tender it is, is is amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and the family appreciates meat and barbecues oh most definitely <laughs> especially if that uh glenn morris backridge butchers had his way with the meat and bloody cut it all up nice and tidy oh yeah patties always go down a treat yeah. getting kids to eat patties is pretty easy oh, gosh, that's yeah. always good oh eh? yeah no nice so how what do you what do you do you have a dream for this place or yeah most definitely um hopefully it pays my mortgage and pays its bill yeah. <laughs> would be good eh? um yeah, business is a tricky one like that. You know, some days I come in here and I just want to get big. I'm like, I need to get out of this little shop. I need to get into a great big warehouse and grow everything and really smash online presence and why haven't I got this product and I need this, I need a bigger, you know? Yeah. Um, naturally, you want to grow and progress and get better. Um, then other days I come in and I just think, man, this is nice, just the way it is. It's manageable. This is cool. What can I change? Um, where do I see Hamill's Talpo going? Um I, I see I see more things on the horizon for it. I've got some other stuff I'm working on behind the scenes with um, just more with other other companies and brands, I think. Mm-hmm. Growing that way, yeah. It, 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 it's always changing. You know, when we first bought the shop, it was nothing but Ridgeline. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted Ridgeline. That was a really big brand. Um, and when it, when it was the old shop, I don't even think um, Hunter's Element or Stony Creek really wanted to be a associated with it it was a pretty ugly little shop you know and obviously my competitors up the road had it and i don't think they were too happy about anyone else selling it in town mm. either mm. but once i rebuilt and came in a bit cleaner and tidier and running a nicer sort of system um we've got all these new brands on board suddenly they want to be seen to be in the shop mm-hmm. which is really neat it's cool so you know i love seeing what um warfighter athletics doing mm. as such you know there's, there's you get little... some more stock would you when, when on by try by t-shirt today Bloody yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and then you know, um, there's Tuscan Tines that I've been really cool with them. Um, Unjustified Risk. There's these little niche things coming out here and there. So yeah, I think it, it, there's always something to be done with it, though, mm. without a doubt. Yeah. Oh man. So um, as you said, the shop was sort of known as the original line shop. Yeah. But it was a handle shop. And. and then, yeah, this is business and things. You know, we we bought it off a chap called uh, Mike. Do I say his last? Mike Moore, really good guy. There's another. He's got the Hamels down in um, Napier. Right. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, and um, at the time, like, we had no idea, man. Like, it was called Mad Mike's. It had a Hamel sticker on it, but it was known as the Ridgeline Outlet. There were there were so many fundamental issues with it, with branding and branding. advertising, the whole lot. So, not not one of those titles really. Signi- signified it as a, a hunting shop but to, to be honest all it had was fleece there was no rifles there was no ammunition you couldn't even get a dog collar you couldn't yeah it, it was bad really mm-hmm. <laughs> I think like we, we did that uh, stock take and then next day we turned out went through all the boxes out the back and they were like size extra small Hawaiian shirts or something you know <laughs> it was oh dear yeah and, you know, it took us a year to get through that and 
You know, I remember when I finally got Stony Creek on board and I'd ordered a whole lot of big dogs, you know? Yeah. And I thought I was the man, you know, I got like two in each size. This is epic. And then I found out my competitors are like buying 20 in each size at a time <laughs> and probably selling five a day, you know? Yeah, yeah. We just sort of, yeah, muddled in and just sort of got through it. And um, yeah, it, it, it's sort of working out now. It's getting better. Yeah. And so why'd you pick out Hamill's Temple? Um, it, it, it had always been Hamill's. And then we sort of had to choose a name and no one I kind of remembered Hamels I knew that there might be people who remembered Hamels mm-hmm. um, yeah that was sort of the only reason for it it had the sticker on the window yeah that was it it sounded better than Mad Mike's I thought yeah and so um, we're talking before we started about the history of Hamels if you, do you want to go into that yeah um, so I I so I didn't know too much about it and then sort of started looking into it more and you know retail's pretty brutal in shops and stuff and the original Hamill store is in Rotorua and um, Brad owns that one really good guy he's helped me heaps so he's been great um, so it was I think Bill Hamill mm-hmm. and John Hamill John might be the son and Bill started it I'd probably got a few different ways on this um, and it was Hamill's Hunting and Fishing New Zealand so if you go into um, Hamill's in Rotorua and also Killwell which is based in Rotorua and you can go in there and do a tour and have a look at all the old gear it's really cool there's all these big posters in there and it's the Hamels logo with the hunting and fishing New Zealand emblem underneath it for the what the stag and the mm-hmm. marlin and the pig and the bird mm-hmm. so it was um, it was only Hamels hunting and fishing New Zealand I was like amazed by this you're telling me Hamels was first what's going on um, yeah and then um, there was Hamels stores everywhere um, from Auckland down south, Wanaka. Um, yeah, there's a couple of shops which used to be Hamels, which have changed names. Um, yeah, so that that was kind of like eye-opening to me. That was incredible. Hey? Um, and then I think for whatever reason they went different ways, and someone took the Hamels name, mm. and then someone took the Hunting and Fishing New Zealand. And I mean that's an incredible name for marketing. Like mm. to to copyright that name is just it's like like I said, the cheese and crackers, right? You mm. can't have crackers and cheese. So mm. Hamels can't be Hamels hunting and fishing. Hamels has to be fishing and hunting, mm-hmm. which is always really awkward. So that that's sort of my um, knowledge of how that sort of happened, eh? And it divided, which is quite interesting it? when you open a hunting and fishing um, retail magazine. There's a lot of fishing. Yeah. <laughs> and like for a long time, it was uh, like outdoors with Jeff. We do a lot of fishing. Um, yeah. You know, gone fishing. Obviously fishing. Yep. Um, what's his name? Matt. Uh, Matt Watson. Sh- yeah, what was his show called? ITM. Fishing. Yeah. Hunting yeah. and fishing. I bet it was fishing. Well, this, this is it. So you, I, I still do it myself. Like, oh, man, what are you into? Oh, I'm into hunting and fishing. Like, you just can't get away from those two words. They're mm. synonymous, you know? Like, yeah. So that, that sometimes is quite difficult with running a business and not being able to sort of focus on those words or use them as such. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I presume... I. I don't know. I haven't tried, but I probably wouldn't want to yeah. poke the bear. Yeah, that's a, a lot of copyright and market research going on in there. One day. One day, maybe, possibly. <laughs> Switch of words, play up or something. Yeah. So, like, when I first met you, Sarah, and it was uh, um, Cam Speedy came down to Hastings Deer Stalkers, and you, it was me, myself, and Rosie Tong, and you're in the process about talking about branding and trying to get the idea the cap you're wearing yeah 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 cool so um yeah rosie and dan have been a great support for me for since i started this journey I th- it was quite funny i think rosie might have started an instagram account maybe around the same time or something mm-hmm. and typically um yeah she's taken off and i'm still down a little bit anyway 
Um, she helped me out. There was a guy called um, Buttery Studios, I believe. Or hang on, no, actually no. It it started with um, Category Three. Okay. Category Three flies had this really cool um, emblem of, and it was like yes, skulls and crossbones. Yeah. yeah, and um, it was just sort of like when skulls and crossbones were kind of cool. So still cool, mate. Yeah, they're <laughs> always going to be cool scars too. Way. Eh? Um, yeah. So that's how that came about. I got hold of them and went through it with. Um, well, first of all, us Category Three, which we stock in here, which is quite cool. And um, Sean, yeah, Sean Category Three, really good guy. Um, yeah, he put me in touch with this guy, um, Dan, from Buttery Studios. I think he's based in Australia. Mm-hmm. And we gave him an idea. I was trying to bring that Hamels logo up to date in time. Like, I kind of look at it and it just makes me feel really bad. <laughs> it's like an old Ford badge or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just that oval. And it really didn't signify what we were selling or doing. So we sort of just gave him a few ideas. And um, he came up with something else. But it... It's really hard when you're thinking about business, you've got to think about it has to be familiar, it has to say what it's doing, what you've got. So we sort of kept the trusted since 1955, and then the deer, and then the background, the hills, yeah. Have you got the lake there, or is that...? Um, no, no lake in that one. I think we did three designs, and yeah, there was a couple of them floating around there. Yeah. And then, yeah, we did it on a few t-shirts, but you know, it it, it never works out financially, eh? Hmm. Uh, just buying a t-shirt off AS Colors and putting a print on it it's expensive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and then it's like you need that uh, sort of market force enough people wearing it to yeah so I I, kind of, <laughs> I I get in trouble I just sort of give them away every now and again eh? and yeah. it ruins the stock numbers and get in trouble <laughs> <laughs> who are you getting in trouble from? <laughs> the accountant the, the real big boss the boss boss yeah. the boss 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 <laughs> nice nice and so, you know, what's it? it what's yeah. it like coming? Like, you know, he's brought up Hunter's Element. Sony, Sony, well, not that's, that's you. That's you. Yeah, Hamels, yeah. Hamels, Hamels, yeah. So, what was neat about being an individual store was um, not a chain store. I don't have any of my own. Um, well, apart from the t-shirts, I don't push my own label on anyone. I mm-hmm. don't have my own branded clothing. Um, uh, you know, we've got a fleece pair of pants and a top. That's it. You know, I'm not. Hamels isn't a big franchise which is out there copying you know the suppliers and then marketing that and pushing that so with the shop I've got all well most of the brands you know I'm able to have um, Game Gear, Hunter's Element, Swazi, Outback Traders it just keeps going on you know like there was no limit to what I could put in here no one could mm-hmm. no one could stop me so that's been really cool man I sort of put in here what I like you know there's some old canvas packs which <laughs> great I love the damn things and you know with the knives and the rifles I've got you know there's a Hardy's hybrid up there there's the Howard carbon stocks there's a CZ there's a Tika there's a Browning you know a, the Bagara um, what were you playing with today? oh the these lever action things yeah <laughs> pretty naughty oh yeah and how, how does how does back to Instagram how does that go on Instagram uh, advertising firearms oh I think there's a few tricks not very well though um I'll, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm waiting to be wiped yeah. um I, maybe that was why I couldn't uh, I try not to that. yeah yeah I try not to put photos of them I think that's the key mm-hmm. maybe yeah 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 yeah, I think, um, yeah, Facebook's been really hard with us. So, you know, there's huge things you learn. So with, with the website, you try to sell firearms and advertise that on Facebook. They cut you down. It even comes down to slingshots. Mm-hmm. So the little st- uh, steel ball bearings which go with it, which is called ammo, ruined our website. Mm. 
So, you know, like a whole website crashes over a steel ball bearing for a slingshot because it's ammo. You know, Facebook just shuts it down. Mm. Um, so you've got to be, it's really hard to navigate around. It is. So, you know, a lot of, oh, start a website, do this. Mm-hmm. You, you can't. It's hard, eh? Mm. Um, shipping rifles, selling rifles online is pretty much non-existent now, eh? Yeah, I, I remember it was last year or the year before trying to, you know, that was when there was at least some MR around, I was trying to search for some and couldn't find price or availability or, or anything. Yeah. And I was, yeah, that was all the stores in Hawke's Bay. And I was like, well, I guess I'll have to go in, won't I? Yeah, it, it <laughs> might help with shops, eh, having to hold ammo or rifles now rather than um, sending them around. But there is like um, a, a group of shops which ship to each other. Yeah. So I can ship to other um, shops. I have, you know, um, sent you know, we send rifles to each other backwards and forwards. Yeah. yeah. So that that kind of works. So. Yeah. Nice. And so while we're on the ammo thing, <laughs> the shortage thing. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When are you going to get that? Um, yeah. So we we only just sort of started stocking ammo a little while ago, um, and it was it was going really well. It was quite easy to get, or, you know, reasonably easy. I've got mixed feelings about it. I think when I started it was, what, you know, 308, and if you're pretty flash, I sound so old, eh? Um, it was 270, you know? So mm-hmm. you'd, you'd have a 308, a 22, and a 12-gauge shotgun. That was kind of it. And as time's gone on, we've sort of got a desire for faster, more accurate rifles, possibly, and mm-hmm. different ammos come in. So maybe now, instead of one big container turning up a 308, it's got to turn up with 6.5 Creedmoor, 6.5 Grendel, 6.5... PRC, 7 mil 08. Um, what else does happen? You know, 7 mil 08, 7 hunt, you know, um, all these different grains, polymer tips, bloody. Yeah, it just gets harder and harder. So maybe it's more dispersed. So it's kind of. Yeah, it, it's tricky. The other thing is possibly um, a lot of it stays in the States. You know, mm. like it, it sells there so much easier. Why would you send it all the way down to the bottom of the world? Mm. And especially, like, like, say, when it comes to stocking something out if you're you know not getting a whole line of 308 anymore or, or lines of 308 you've got to distribute you know for everybody yeah instead of like 100 packets of 308 you're probably doing 25 of 6.5 25 of 6.5 yeah. Creedmoor and then 50 and 20 of you know like you're, you're spreading your curve a little bit out to get that number yeah um, I think you know when you probably look at what New Zealand sales do in ammunition compared to what happens in the states in one week yeah you know, it, it's just too much of a headache. Um, I hear container ships are getting turned around too. You know, there's no one to unpack them. You know, one person on the boat's got a COVID positive COVID test and it ain't coming to shore. Yeah, yeah. So that that's part of it. Um, next issue is so much of it's on back order. So whatever does arrive has already been allocated. Yeah. You know, and it's a nightmare for me. You get guys come in and they're desperate. So you're sort of writing their name down in the book and then you've got to ring them to tell them it's in but then someone comes in and they want to buy it right there and then mm-hmm. and you've got to phone someone and hope that they come back in or when do they come back in have they bought it elsewhere yeah yeah it's tricky eh <coughs> um, you know and it, it's kind of human behaviour is terrible man like when that whole um, COVID th- thing hit how did we run out of toilet paper you know and everyone's sitting at home with bulk toilet paper you know guys come in and they're like oh, I'll take four boxes of 308 Mm. or four boxes of ammo I can tell you now like they ain't shooting that many deer like there's no need for it really people just get kind of greedy and think because it's running out they buy a lot yeah Yeah. so I have said to people you know I think one box enough kind of limited it shared Mm -hmm. it around a bit Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It was a, um, asked you if you'd read Lotus NZ Hunter, but um, it was interesting in there they're talking about um, how this game Animal Cancel was taking a levy on, on some of this ammo, which is great. But uh, because we're unable to buy some at the moment, that's sort of holding yeah. up our uh, yeah. game Animal Cancel funding, which is a follow-on that, you, that you, no, one, no one thought about. And thanks, yeah. thanks, thanks, Greg, for highlighting that to, to the... Yeah, readership. Yeah, it's kind of bad. You'd hope they'd just get funding from the government, not from ammo or something, okay? Yeah, well, you know, the government's going to get money from somewhere, I guess, is, 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 the, is the downside. Yeah, yeah it's hard. I, I think they get plenty of money from all the taxes and GSTs on things that you've already purchased, and, you know, then once you sell it, you've got to pay it all over again. Yeah. It, it's a shame that we have to rely on stuff like that to fund, you know, these, these organisations, eh? Yeah, yeah. Have you looked at the American model much no no yeah so what do they call it Pittman Robinson yeah okay on even on all uh outdoor equipment so yeah. Sam might have touched on this yeah. in the post yeah yeah that's right yeah he was um I, I thought Sam had a reasonably good perspective that like going back to you like you're saying the, the jeans and gumboots and and a rifle and yeah only buying the ammo to to shoot the animal um, you're not going to pay that much in a levy, but whereas you, if you're a um, keeping dry, keeping light, um, oh yeah, buy, touchy, buy, touchy areas, buy, oh. buying, the, buying the new pack, the new boots, the lightest, oh, the yeah, driest yeah. boots, then um, <coughs> you're going to you're going to pay a little bit of the levy. And, and dogs, so, dogs working up, yeah. So that, that you know, he did raise a good point that that'd be a little bit of a stratified um, input, wouldn't it? It's a point. Um, it was a point. We, we, you know, it's always difference of opinions on that. I, I probably feel that that, yeah, that from your perspective, that person's probably, <laughs> yeah, that person's probably paid his dues already. Yeah, and and those prices or what he's earned or what he pays in other areas of it, uh, to be stung twice a game like that might be a bit hard. Um, but there is there is a valid point there as well. I can I can see it from both points of view, definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. without a doubt. I I don't know how you'd ever work that here unless it was. Um, like tagged animals or you paid per animal and all that sort of mm. it would be very complicated what I loved about New Zealand rich or poor or wealthy or whatever you were the, the bush was there for you mm. you know it was the one place you can get judged I don't think deer care if you have a more expensive rifle or a cheaper rifle mate you know yeah it was sort of like you know that's why rugby does so well in New Zealand mm-hmm. you um anyone can play it mm. whether you're rich or poor man you're just going to turn up on the day much like hunting eh yeah for sure yeah you know, like you read um, read some of these old books eh, and you just feel embarrassed at what you're concerned about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a huge collector of all the old books and you see them up there. Eh? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that sort of fueled my fire into it too. And those boys did it hard. Eh? It was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. Yeah, I think, it's, I think his name's Graham May. I think that's right. Um, he came in and, and he dropped off, brought back one of his books eh, and just, you know, him and his mates going out there whatever getting wet like you say I think they were a different breed back then eh? yeah there's, there's pl- plenty of guys um, around Tokoroa that have you know worked at the mill and the mill was on stroke so they'd go make their month's wages in a couple of days shooting animals it's uh, pretty pretty outright that, that was one thing though that was, that was some pretty good motivation to get out there yeah you know like um, <laughs> <clears throat> some of the um, the best hunters or the most the guys with the best kills I see coming to the shop um, they don't have the flashes gear, eh? Yeah. You know? Nice. Down to roots, old school kind of stuff, eh? Yeah. Um, what's the 
the Seeker book there's about all the hits that have been shot. Um, cripes. Who's Game Animal Council? Alex Scale and yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, like again, going back way way ago. I yeah, definitely um, on on that. And even I, the caliber as well. Eh? Yeah, I think also I'd like to. I, I think we're in the heyday of hunting at the moment too. Yeah, you know, from all accounts, from what I've seen, um, getting measured in at the NZDA Talpo, and just with the numbers out there at the moment, you know, Sam probably touched on this. It, it's maybe out of control. I think we've probably got the best hunting now we've had ever. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the easiest hunting. Maybe it's not the best. Maybe the animals aren't in the best condition. But it, there's a lot of numbers out there. Mm. Like, you know, um, back in the 80s, I guess, guys were, you know, competing with helicopters and meat hunters and all that sort of carry on. Nowadays, there's no one really hunting them professionally for meat. Or, mm. you know, it, it's good going out there. So <clears throat> really productive. And um, it, it's nice to be successful too, you know. I can tell you from like maybe two years of driving backwards and forwards and getting nothing. Yeah, it's great to be successful, though. You know. Yeah, I did a did a big year last year going to Makino and getting nothing, hearing plenty, seeing the odd one. Yeah, and then uh, to go to Woodhill and get a buck, and then the other week. To go oh yeah, Woodhill. Gotta love Woodhill. You run them over on motorbikes, so <laughs> that's outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. Uh, going back to Ryan, we we laughed at. Um, Dear, don't eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They have morning tea and afternoon tea. So yeah. I've, I've shot two deer at two thirty and, and two deer at ten thirty. That's Woodhill, is it? Oh, one was Woodhill, oh, okay. two thirty. But yeah, and the, and the Kawakas, um and uh, I can't remember where the other one was. But yeah, and yeah, that deer I shot the other day was like eleven o'clock. <laughs> yeah, they, they, you, they are where they are. I think is the old saying. They just yeah. are where they are. Um, uh, yeah, at, at least in most unexpected times. Yeah, yeah. Some of the best ones are usually just on the track or out of the car park. Uh, I swear to God, those seeker deer know the sound of gravel on Clements Mill Road on a Friday. They <laughs> 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 so, figured that out. So. That, that, well, there's another Ryan one. Is uh, they're not weekend deer. Yeah. Well, these ones, these ones are the evening deer when you're there in the morning. Well, yeah, they must be. They're pretty switched on to it. Uh, they're figuring out a whole new thing. They evolve and they change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And especially when, when, you know, if you've got a bunch of trampers coming past on a weekend as well, you know, it's like, oh, humans are about, yeah, mm. most definitely. Right. Well, what what's your most favourite thing to go chase? Um, seeker, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Seeker. Yeah. So when you leave in Auckland on a... F- Friday night. Was yep. it Friday night? It, yeah, it'd be Friday. Yeah. How long? I'd be it? in Walkworth. I, yeah, my job was in Walkworth. I lived in Glenfield. You know, Thursday, Friday morning, I'd saw Thursday night pack up. Friday, drive to work up in Walkworth. My ratly old Land Cruiser, <laughs> terrible car. Still got got another one anyway. Um, you then drive from Walkworth usually. Yeah. So it'd be it'd be another two hours or hour and a half from Walkworth into Auckland, and mm. then through all of Auckland down into um, Taupo, and then from Taupo. It'd either be mostly Kiko Road or Clements Mill Road or down Kaimanawa Road, sort of, if you want to go a little bit further. And then um, sleep Friday in the truck, walk around all day Saturday, sleep Saturday night outside of the truck or something like that, and then walk a little bit Sunday morning and then drive home again. Mm-hmm. That was silly, really. I spent more time driving than I did hunting. <laughs> Just fatigued. Yeah. Now, now I think that's why my hunting was so unsuccessful then. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. too tired Naked. and knackered and probably always had my mind on the drive to get home and stuff you know yeah hmm. so what did the drive feel like on a Friday night did you feel 
you know, the release or <laughs> like was it like gotta get there yeah yeah most definitely you know you'd have stages of the drive where you just switched off eh? um yeah it was it was a bit different back then sort of no podcasts no no podcast no stereo probably no had, Spotify. A, had a beer on the way and a cigarette or something oh, like that and, you know <laughs> Take things that are currently yeah. found upon yeah yeah, yeah. yeah well. um, just a bit different no um no it, it was cool it was an adventure it was fun yeah it was sort of part of the journey or something you had to earn your right to get there and do it you know yeah it's sure. totally different and so what was what was the response like on monday when you say no nah, didn't get another one um yeah pretty hard going man like it, it was pretty soul crushing it was pretty hard eh? so then i thought oh yeah i'll get a dog this will make it better and um that made it so much worse for so long eh? and <laughs> <laughs> i had a whining dog all the way down there um you know you're always getting closer and that was enough i i had so many opportunities where i could have um secured an animal or got an animal but mm. just basic be- beginner sort of mistakes you know like the amount of times you'd sort of see something and freeze and get scared and it would run and not realizing you could do a little whistle or a hoot and turn it and stop it or just to be able to pick the rifle um you know big mistake going to the range and lying down and consistently shooting in a really comfortable position mm as opposed to walking to the range with a cold barrel and just taking that first shot and hitting the target. Yeah. That sort of carry on, you know, not knowing about um, weights of bullets and trajectory and proper sighting and that sort of carry on, you know, yeah. just real. I didn't have anyone to talk me through that. That was yeah. all sort of learning curves. Um, and that was the reason for probably joining the NZDA. Yeah. Sort of figure that stuff out and go to the range and um, tune it, you know. It was those little things will be the stuff which make big differences. Yeah. And so, how did it go for you? Um, the NZDA joining thing. Um, oh, I, it was good. Um, quite awkward with some of the age gaps there, to be honest. You know, mm. like it was. Um, you know, hunters are prominently quite recluse people. You know, and once you do find your good hunting spot, the last thing you need to do is tell Saren from Glenfield where it is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're going to share that. No one's going to tell you where to go like that. So it was hard like that. Um, but I clicked on, got on with a guy quite well there, James, James yeah. McKenzie. I think he does a bit of the bit of work before the mo, mm-hmm. the magazines and stuff like that. And um, we got along really well. And it was before I'd had the shop. So, you know, we sort of clicked. And um, he had some cool spots and I had some spots. So we sort of changed places. And, yeah, and that sort of got much better with him and his knowledge. And we sort of shared a few things like that. And um, he's still actually been a really great support. We've done some cool trips. So that's sort of like a lifelong friendship, really, there right, through NZDA in mm. Auckland mm. and then um, yeah naturally when I moved to Taupo I got involved with the Taupo branch yeah in mm. uh, how did you end up being secretary no one else wanted to do it <laughs> it's honestly like, like yeah. me being on the committee last year it was kind of like Ryan you'll be on the committee eh I said thanks Ben cheers yeah so um, the Taupo branch and just, like, when I joined it was, uh, it was really in a, in a bad shape you know in a bad place um it's hard with um, smaller towns, maybe like Auckland, NZDA is massive, right? It's mm. a really big thing. Um, here in Taupo, it's not. I don't think anyone needs to join the club to find a hunting spot. I, I, I'm not too sure. Right, the range is really popular. It's a great area, but the club just needs yeah, more help, I think. Eh? Mm. Mm. Um, clubs are tricky. You know, like, um, they're all voluntary people, mm. and usually voluntary people are sort of semi-retired or something, so it, it can be quite hard, eh? and mm. it, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, I think um, with Tokoroa, one draw is that they've um, got a ballot on some of the forestry there. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, I've been to one meeting, and uh, that was literally a meeting. Um, so, 
yeah, this, hopefully I can bring some of what we did in Hastings and getting people along and getting people talking and creating a community ar- around it and yeah, can be what NCDA hopes to be. Yeah, I, I, I think it's vitally important as hunters that we have a group, whether it's Game Animal Council, um, um, Seeker Foundation or at NZDA, we need, we need a voice. Mm. Hunters or outdoors type people need a large voice, whether um, just firearms owners in general too. You're sort of losing a lot of rights without knowing and it's happening quite quick. Mm. You know, there's probably a reason why you don't have to be a member of something to have a firearm. Because it can't inform you. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know? that's a great point there. So it's best, uh, uh, in some ways, it's probably works the advantage of the government that we're all disbanded in different groups instead of combined as one group. Mm. And that, you know, you don't have one large number coming to you. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with, like, conservation. Um, you know, when I went to, the, went to that meeting, it was the same day that um, NZ Dad sent, sent out, like, make sure you let it be known that the... Uh, Conservation, what was it called? No, the Conservation Authority, that's what it's called. Um, I was looking at this thing behind closed doors. Um, we'd quite like to be at that meeting. Uh, can you make some noise? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Or at least have, have the Game Animal Council at it's, that meeting. It's hard. I can't keep up with it. Yeah. I, yeah. And it's just almost like, you, you know, and we, we're part of these networks and, you know, you, you get blindsided and you're like, how the heck does that happen? <laughs> Oh, without a doubt, I, I would say there's probably a lot more going on that we don't know about, especially with the firearms mm. side of things and what's probably next on the agenda of banning or being banned or mm. carry on here. And that's where it's fantastic that someone like, uh, is it Nicole McKee or Nikki McKee that yeah. was on Colfo? Yes. Yeah. She's with ACT now. Yeah, yeah, and she's part of um, Low Hut NZDA as well. Yes. Yeah, you know, hopefully... You know, again, you hope that someone's there to keep an eye on things. Well, this, yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of us um, probably just rely on on that. Oh God, let's hope something, someone does Hopefully, something. Yeah. You know, whereas um, it, it's a minimal fee to join NZDA and just get involved. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think so. I, yeah, no, you're right. So, like, Topol is very much um, tourist. Was know, what well, Auckland tourist hotspot now? Yeah, have you you found that, have you? Yeah, most definitely, since there's no international travel as such. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're getting a lot more people in Taupo. Yeah. So, as as a town, does that mean it's become very, very seasonal? Or has the stream sort of been similar? Um, I think it's pretty consistent. You know, we've got um, great mountains here for skiing. So, you know, in winter, a lot of people come down for that. And then, you know, summer, it's great for the fly fishing and just for the lakes. So, it's pretty consistent. It Mm -hmm. is. It's good. I feel at the moment it's a great place to be. Central nice. Central North Island with a great big lake. You've got the hills. You're not too far from Tauranga. Oh, yeah. It's the new Queenstown, surely. Hey, yeah. Heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> now, we did, um, coming back from uh, Hawke's Bay on, what was that? Must be New Year's Eve, actually. Mm-hmm. And come over the hill and I pointed out to my daughter, look, there's the lake. She said, we should go for a swim. I said, that's great idea and then yeah. had, and then had an ice cream and yeah. tell you what that um what's it called golden mile or something yeah is that what's called yeah oh no sorry not no no kfc on it and that um the council's got big changes for that too i think it's been like around about because that'd be handy 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you see what they've done out the front of the shop. That's all changed, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah, so the lake front's going to go through a huge transformation and become more um, pedestrianised, get rid of the traffic as such, and mm-hmm. just be a cool hangout for dining and drinks in the evening. Yeah. So it's looking really cool, man. There's some big developments going on. I don't... Yeah, some of the locals don't like it. You know, their old town's been taken over a bit. Yeah. Which, you know, progress does suck, eh? Yeah. Especially with, you know, if you came here 10, 15 years ago to retire a sleepy old town and... Yeah, well, I think my wife and I were probably, probably one of them, weren't we, really? Yeah. You know, that was another hard thing, you know, being being the Aucklanders coming down here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even here and there in Tuckera. All these bloody Aucklanders. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think, I don't know, you're getting priced out of Auckland and shifting out of it, you sort of just get to a stage and just had enough of it. Yeah. You know, the idea of taking kids to... Um, their kindies or daycares in pyjamas, man. And yeah. picking them up after hours, you know, that's just kind of didn't sit well with me personally. Yeah. You know, if those people are doing it, doing it, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, well, you got to get got to get to work when you got to get to work, eh? Yeah. Yeah, far out. I, yeah. Well, that was it. It ended up having like a work-dominated lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Kind of sucked, eh? Yeah. So what do you, do you have a lunch hour to get out of here? No, no lunch <laughs> hours. Um... <laughs> Just sort of eating the bootleg jerky as I go and drinking the Rohini port occasionally. <laughs> um, it's pretty pretty good, man. Like, honestly, shop doesn't open till 9. Sometimes you get here at 8.30, crank the music. But um, the the thinking and behind-the-scenes work never stops. Yeah. You know, that's always happening. Yeah. So that sort of view, what, is, what does it do for you in terms of thinking? Is it helpful? What's that, sorry? Like, the, the view out there, you know? Oh, down the end of the road? Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's an incredible place to be, eh? Yeah. And it's it, inspiring. It's cool. And as a business community, what, do you, what have you found? Um, incredible. Um, I, I did everything I could to get an advantage or to immerse myself in the community. I got involved with um, BNI, which is like a business yeah, networking yeah. company here in Taupo. I was terrible at public speaking. I hated my name and my presence around and voice. Well, not hated, very strong. Um so I just sort of jumped right in mm-hmm. with, you know, with the NZDA and the Seeker Foundation, BNI, Wairaki, Hunting Club. I was everywhere all the time doing everything, probably um, maybe a little bit too much. So BNI got me in with like probably some of the biggest businesses around Taupo. Mm. So just sort of having my face there as that little shop was quite cool. Yeah. And then um, I, I can't remember, I... Um, I think the shot like burnt on anyway it, I went to the meeting that week and um, I had to stand up and I think I just cried eh? just stood up mm. and I, I was just lost for words like everyone just looked at me and um, tried to talk for 50 seconds yeah and say uh, my shop was burned down pretty much yeah I had nothing I had nothing yeah. um, and you know they were such a big support through that eh? mm-hmm. that was incredible and um, ever since then still have been a great support I don't attend any of their meetings anymore it was it was quite hard going yeah but I did that and um that's when I decided to get involved in NZDA I kind of shifted where I thought my time might be best spent mm-hmm. and then yeah and um another little club called Wairaki um hunting and fishing club is <laughs> <laughs> that bloody branding yeah. <laughs> um, and that was really cool they were they were my kind of people they were cool mm-hmm they were the guys hunting in gumboots and getting big boards and stags, you know. They were the guys who would, you know, get wet and just sort of... Carry on. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that small community hunting club in a tavern in Wairaki. Yeah. That was neat. 
you know, we would drink beers and have a meeting mm-hmm. and go outside to, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, it was just really cool. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And still part of that. Nice, nice. So do you like do you like chasing the pigs as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was a big adrenaline. Um, I, I meet all sorts of people through the shop. Oh, it's neat, man. And um, I had this raggedy-looking guy come in, like dreadlocks all messed up. And anyway, he turned up in like this late model Land Cruiser, and I've got a passion for them. And this is one of those, like, I don't know, at the time it was probably like an $80,000 truck. Mm. It's probably like 150 now. You know, they go up in price. Yeah. But anyway, the windscreen was smashed on it. The bloody, um, this is like a 2020. Anyway, the windscreen was smashed. Um, had like <laughs> the wing mirrors were hanging off it. And I was just amazed at this guy. I was like, holy man, what's this dude's story? Um, he came in, bought a knife and some gears and all that. And then he asked me if I wanted to go for a hunt, <laughs> chase some pigs. I was like, okay, yeah, sweet. Uh, when? <laughs> yeah, when, bro. Let's so anyway, playing it cool. And anyway, um, yeah, so anyway, went home, packed my bags like a little kid. Like, this is going to be awesome, mean, wicked. Tom, come like bloody nine o'clock. He hasn't texted me back or phoned or anything. And I'm like, oh, I feel like someone's broken up with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, What the Text hell? Text me back, man. Yeah. And then anyway, so I go to sleep. My phone goes off at like, I don't know, half past 12 or something. And it was just like, um, I'll, I'll see you at, pick you up at 6.30, horse. <laughs> Best mate. <laughs> so anyway, this badass V8 truck comes rumbling down the cul-de-sac with all these pig dogs barking in the back. And I jump in, and like a still chainsaw drops out, falls on the ground, and these big tractor parts, you know. And he's just sitting there, still talking on the phone about business, and just like acknowledges me. Yeah. You get in. Get in. (laughs) And then we take off down to the worst place you've ever been. It's like uh, in Napier Taupo, the Waipunga area, and it's just trees growing on their side. It had like a real bad snowfall through there many years ago. Right. And nothing's recovered. Um, Anyway, lets out like maybe six dogs carnage fucking breaks sorry breaks loose and within an hour or two hour maybe hour and a half we've caught this sour mm. and it was just like adrenaline this is nuts um he's a lot younger and fitter than me i can't keep up <laughs> anyway we get that and i'm thinking this is mean yeah. all right we'll get rid of this anyway cool and that'll be it we'll mm-hmm. go home no no nah, nah. carry on cuts it guts it drops it by the road and off we go again it went like this until we had like maybe three or four pigs it was just unreal. It was epic. It was the best hunting I've ever done in my life. It was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it did all that, and then, sure enough, drops me back at home. I'm covered in blood and sweat. I don't know what's just happened to me. Like, what have I just endured? What have I done, you know? It's been a whirlwind day. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty much like that little kid just sleeping on the side of the truck, and he's still back on the phone. Anyway, and then, sure enough, 12 o'clock that night again, I get another text message. Keen to go tomorrow, horse? (laughs) (laughs) How was the follow-up? I didn't do it. I think I stayed home. eh? Um, Yeah, and made great mates for that chap, and we still hunt a lot together. Um, It was just, uh, yeah, incredible. Really cool fun, eh? That is so sweet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just some old mate comes into the shop. Yeah, yeah, you you kind of get a bit of that. And now he's calling your horse. Yeah, I don't know what the horse part's about, eh? but um, you get that a bit. Some work out well and some don't, you know? Yeah. And then a lot of guys try to scope me out for somewhere to go or think that I've got great spots, which I don't, man. I've just got like places like anyone else, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been here. Might have seen something. Yeah. Yeah. How good are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't I don't have any trade secrets, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, nice, nice. So, like, we're on Tongariro Street, is that yep. right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, the main, the main, what used to be the main highway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Tongariro Street goes down onto Lake Terrace. Yeah, yeah, and uh, 
where do people find you, man? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Hamels Talpo, number 91 Tongariro Street, right next door to the Bend On Outlet. So, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You can keep lots Perfect of people place. happy. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> it, it's nuts, man. We just get, like, husbands in here all the time with, like, three kids, So eh? Yeah. Wife's next door, mate. Okay, cool. <laughs> I think you've got location, location, location. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's pretty... Oh, yeah. Yes, no. It used to be hard when this was a double lane. Yeah. It used to be really hard for parking, eh? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's getting better, though. It is. So they're still going up the other way, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, Passing both ways, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Yep. Yeah. Gary Howard, uh, you know, doesn't have a job for you, does he? No. <laughs> no, I, I have hit him up for locations before, though. <laughs> nice, bro. And Instagram, you said, you're still persevering with the Facebook? Um, I don't... Um, yeah, so I think some of the Instagram stories... So what I try and do, I try and do the stories... And then my wife will prominently do the 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 other part, the the post, mm-hmm. and then we mix it up and share it a little bit because I think you want the posts to try and relate to the website a bit. Yeah. So I can do the stories because they get deleted pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't hang around for too long. See you for twenty four hours. And yeah. You made yeah. a mistake. It's gone. Yeah. So I can have a bit of fun with that. Yeah. And um, you know, my spelling's terrible, so I'd do the post, and it wouldn't make any sense. Or, you know, something stupid in there, eh? Um. So she does that bit, and we're trying to just sort of get the cohesion so, um, you know, you can click onto it and then go straight into the shop, mm-hmm. and um, then you can purchase from that. So that's kind of interesting, and um, that, yeah, that's quite a big thing, I think, eh? Yeah, and, and that's that new shop um, application in Instagram, is that right? Taking, I believe so, take, yeah, take but that, that is really hard with having any kind of firearms or ammunition in your shop. Yeah. Ah, so Instagram's even harder than Facebook, I believe. <laughs> right, so if you're looking for clothes, you can go on yes. Instagram. Yeah, I think we got photos of rifles, but you can't buy them or do anything with it. You have to phone the shop. Phone the shop up. Mm. Good, good, good. Mate, so you've taken us a bit of a journey there. Yeah, there, there's a lot to fit in, eh? you know massive tribulation with the you know what happened to the shop but yeah what does keep you moving forward man what coffee keep- good coffee <laughs> <laughs> i feel you no is there is there like a uh mantra or a way you live your life or a quote that comes to mind or something that keeps you flying along mate oh uh, maybe honestly just doing better for my kids i grew up pretty hard for solo mum and no money so doing this for my kids is probably my drive to be honest Nice, I man. think, yeah, I think that's it, eh? Wicked. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me in. Yeah, welcome. Coming Thanks on for board. Coming along. Appreciate it. It's yeah, cool. and uh, giving us an awesome chat, bro. Thanks so Mate. much. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers, Rock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I need 39 dollars Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are they? <laughs> Little dragonfly. Yeah. Backpacks. Ca- backpack stools. Pretty comfy, too. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you Lovely. very much. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it, man. <laughs>